1: welcome to first bite our detroit lions preview podcast here on the pride of detroit podcast network we're here it's week two staying in the nfc east though lions washington this sunday my name is jeremy Reisman. i am the producer over at pride of detroit you can find me at detroit online on twitter with me as always for first bite my co-host the senior editor at ryan underscore pod on twitter ryan matthews is here how are we doing ryan uh, I'm doing well.
2: I'm looking forward to another week of football. Like it's one of those things too. Like in the preseason, where it was like a little bit of gas, but then breaks and a little yes. bit of gas in the. Br- That's right. It, it doesn't stop here. You know what I mean? All gas, no breaks. That's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, if if this is your first time listening to us on First Bite. Uh, let me introduce you. Uh, we always have a, uh, a guest from the opposing side to help break us down, to better get to know the Lions opponent, and this week is no different. We have a very special guest. In fact, he's a former NFL wide receiver, and now he is a co-host of the Believe in Commanders podcast on the on the Believe Network. Uh, Anthony Armstrong is here. Well, thank, thanks for joining us, Anthony. Um, let, let's get right into it. Let's uh Let's talk about when Washington has the ball. We like to kind of break things down by when Washington's on the on offense versus when the lines are on offense. Um and I think we got to start with Carson Wentz, right? Um their their big offseason acquisition. Um what does he bring to the Washington offense that maybe they didn't have last year? And I guess what's your confidence level in a guy like him because he's a guy well, I think publicly his name kind of got dragged through the mud this off season, unfairly or fairly. So just now that he's been in Washington for the all the entire off season and week one, what are your thoughts on, on how he's been doing?
3: You know, he's, he's definitely impressed over week one. And when they made the trade way back and I was like, man, I don't know, you know, not really sure. We want to have this guy in the burgundy and gold, but now he comes out this week one, he throws for four touchdowns. That's a great showing. And And you talk about what does he bring to the team that we didn't have last year. He can put the ball downfield, and he will throw it It with accuracy. You saw that pass to Terry McLaurin down the right sideline, 50-some-odd yards, right in the bucket. I was watching the game, and I was like, wow. Like, that's a damn good throw right there. So Carson Wentz is bringing, one, some leadership, but two, he's got a big arm, and that's going to help open up this offense. You saw Antonio Gibson uh, was able to benefit from that because six had to back up. So he just brings a unique skill set.
2: Yeah. And, and speaking of those new additions, Anthony, I mean, you, you got to look at what Washington did with their skill positions, too. Um, you know, maybe one of the biggest storylines from week one was Jahan Dotson, you know, Washington's first round pick. They take him, he scores a couple touchdowns. And, you know, he's not new, but as you just mentioned, Terry McLaurin signs that big extension in the offseason. So, I mean, Wentz has weapons. And what what is that? What did that do in week one against the Jaguars? Because, you know, Washington was down at one point.
3: They were definitely down and he showed some adversity to just be able to bounce back off those two bad interceptions. But what I was really impressed with was that Scott Turner, that offense, they found a way to actually utilize all of those weapons. I mean, yeah. Carson, he targeted 10 different players, completions to seven. Uh, They had multiple people running the ball, I think about four or five people ran the ball as well. So being able to take advantage of those different weapons that you have, that's huge. That's huge. I mean, you know, Jacksonville, they took away Terry McLaurin for a while, and then eventually they were able to get a big splash play to him later on. So I I like the fact that they didn't force the ball to Terry just because they got a new contract. They found ways to get uh, Armani Rogers, Curtis Samuel, shoot Jahan Dotson, get all those guys involved and it shows they have a lot of depth at their receiver position and and that's going to really help carry this team throughout the season i think
1: yeah as as a, a former receiver yourself can you kind of explain to to the audience like what kind of pressure that puts on a defense when you really have guys at every single level you have running backs you have tight ends you have outside wide receivers you have slot guys all that can kind of put pressure on a defense and make plays can can you explain just how difficult that is to defend? I know I know you're on the other side of the ball, but um, yeah, how, just oh, yeah. like how do you defend that?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, generally you think that, I mean, Detroit, you know, you, y'all had Calvin Johnson for years and teams had to account for him. So generally what you'll see, they'll put a cornerback up front and they'll put a safety over the top. It'll be a two shell. And they basically put that to that one player the entire time. And with guys like Calvin Johnson, he's he's amazing. They probably had a linebacker putting some eyes on him as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Terry McLaurin is going to get some respect in this league, so he's going to attract two, two, two players. And then that's going to lead one-on-one with other players on the field, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. And you have to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. If you can't beat one-on-one in this NFL, you're not going to play for very long. And especially when you have defenses that essentially get tailored for you to have favorable you know matchups. It, it makes it uh, it makes it hard on defenses because if you're able to get create separation, get into those zones, they don't know who to cover. They just kind of have to sit back and take whatever they can, and and hopefully stop you for you know shorter than short for a first down.
2: I, I want to talk a little bit more about Washington's run game, just because of the you know the the, super, the the very unfortunate set of circumstances that that Washington found itself in after you know Brian Robinson is shot multiple times after that final preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, how, how much were they planning on relying on Robinson going into week one and how did the team respond in terms of, you know, they, they have other guys. I mean, not, not saying that, you know, they're, they're any worse for wear, but I mean, you got guys like JD McKissick and, and some other guys that are in that backfield. So what was, what was going on, um, as Washington was preparing for week one after that, uh, unfortunate incident,
3: but you know, I, I think that obviously it was definitely unfortunate for, you know, for Brian Robinson. He's good. He's back. He's back in the building. He's actually on the bike today. So he's moving around, which is a good thing. Um, I think that he was, would have been used to carry the load of the the running game. Uh, I mean, you look at Antonio Gibson, he's been in the league. He's played it before. So being able to make that switch back to him being a starter, it really doesn't add any hiccups to the, to the game. Uh, But Brian Robinson was going to take a lot of that inside running, some of that power uh, scheme that he's going to be able to handle. I mean, similar to the way that y'all use Jamal Williams, you know, so let somebody actually go and do some of the dirty work for a while, you know, faster back, your guy's a little bit more elusive. He gets to handle things on the edge, try to get in space a little bit more. Um, I think they adjusted to have an AG in there well, because like I said, he's already started in this league. He's already started for this team. So they know what he can do. Uh, But whenever Brian Robinson does get back into the mix, that's going to be a big change for the offense. I don't think it's going to be a negative thing at all, uh, but he, he's just another weapon that you just unfortunately missing.
1: Well, the, the, you know, the running game didn't have its its best game against Jacksonville um, average three point yard, 3.0 yards per carry, just 85 rushing yards in total. Um, is that maybe a, a concern with maybe the offensive line? I know they, they kind of swapped out guards this year on, on both sides, um, not necessarily up downgrades or upgrades, but I'm just kind of curious for an offensive line that, that has been pretty good in the past was pretty darn good last year. Is there any, any, maybe, lingering concerns with, with some of the rotation that they did this off season, that, that maybe it's not quite living up to, to expectations yet?
3: You know, I, I'm going to say no, not not really. I mean, last week they, they gave Carson the most time to deliver the pass. Uh, it was about just over three seconds. So 3.14. Mm. Uh, they played a pretty good game, only gave up one sack and they were able you know, there was a little bit of pressure. I mean, that's going to happen in this league when you're going up against the number one, overall pick Trevon Walker, you got Josh Allen over there. There's a lot of good players in Jacksonville. True. So you're going to give up some pressure. That's, that's going to happen It's how you handle it. That really separates these two teams. And I mean, This week, you're looking at going against Aiden Hutchison. I mean, that guy, he found his way into the backfield plenty of times all week. Um, So, you know, am I worried about the O line? I'm not. They're definitely going to have a challenge, though. And, and, and I, I was watching, I watched that Philly game. And if, if they don't show up and, and actually put some good stuff on tape and, and play behind their pads and, and get physical, it can get ugly. Uh, so, you know, I think the O-line will be all right. I think they'll be able to push the ball and run the ball a little bit. But I don't think Washington is leaning on the run as much as Philadelphia is.
2: So, so I guess, Anthony, my last question, because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm looking at the stats right now. And the offensive line only gave up six pressures. a jacksonville defense that as you mentioned was loaded with talent i want to know i guess from like a macro standpoint like you've seen one week of this offense in regular season what's going to unlock it to for it to get to the next level is it is it just developing a chemistry with wentz is it going to be you know some of these you know players stepping up like Jahan dotson continuing to, to go out and make plays or what what's going to be critical for Washington to take that next step to, to be a team that's going to be, you know, making a case for the NFC East that seems to be pretty open now that the Cowboys are, are kind of fading. That's a great question.
3: Yeah. I think um, I, I was initially thinking this new offense was going to take maybe four, to six weeks to really evolve into what it's going to be. I didn't expect them to start as fast as they did this season, just just as electrifying as they were. But the good thing behind that is that the creativity that Scott Turner has displayed, I, I would like to see that continue on uh, throughout the season, especially whenever you start game planning and you can start to see what went against the team the previous week. You start to implement that into your playbook just for that week, just because you know that it's had success against that team. So make sure they don't turn the ball over your know, category uh, running the ball. Brian Robinson is going to be huge. If you get that three yards to carry up to about four, almost five yards to carry. Now you start getting a few more first downs and, and you don't have those mid game lulls like they had against Jacksonville. So a couple of small things, but they keep moving in the right direction and they're going to be all right. Yeah.
1: and I, I was going to bring that, that up because the, you know, Washington's offense kind of went in the same trajectory as, as the lion's offense last game where the hot starts for both teams. Then there's this, quarter to two quarter lull in the middle and then you finish strong um so w- was it just kind of an un- like I, I watched the game myself you know the the pick by uh trevon walker was just kind of i mean almost bad luck it was a fantastic play from him but in general w- was there was there any i don't know commonalities between that lull that that they
3: that the washington struggled with that might be a concern going forward you know i i think that you have to be real and understand that in the nfl you make your adjustments for the very next play like those adjustments have to go in quickly and you have to expect coming out of the half, I Think on on Washington side, and sure they dodged a few, uh, they dodged a few opportunities that, that Trevor Lawrence missed. But you're in a good position, and you, you, ideally you don't want to have those lows, but it happens. And I, I will commit I'm going to commend both teams. I'm going to commend Detroit and Washington. Those teams of the past would probably would have just packed it up, and then that would have been it. You know what I mean? Down 14 late in the game both of those teams in the past would have probably just laid it down and everybody would have been fast forwarding to week 2. So <laughs> the way they fought back, I mean you got to be real about it. Sure. You got to be real about it. the way they fought back. I mean I, I'm I'm not taking Detroit lightly. I'm not. I mean you put up 35 points against a team that is, you know, heavily favored to win the NFC East and they're almost, you know, a playoff team just right on the edge. I mean shoot. That's a pretty impressive performance by Detroit. We're going to talk a little bit more about Detroit and and their offense when we get back from
1: this break. Uh, we're here with Anthony Armstrong from the Believe in Commanders podcast. We will be right back.
4: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we are back here on First Bite with Anthony Armstrong, uh, the co-host of the Believe in Commanders podcast, previewing our Lions Commanders Week 2 game up here. We talked about the Washington offense and all of their weapons. Now let's talk about when the lions have the ball and, and how Washington can, can counter that. And I I think I got to start with the pass rush because they were kind of incredible against Jacksonville. And it's always one of those situations where, okay, is that Washington's defensive line or is that Jacksonville's offensive line? Because they don't even have Chase Young. They're not going to have Chase Young this week. He's on, you know, on the pupper or IR, whatever it is. So, I mean, how real to you is this Washington pass rush and how dangerous can they be against maybe a much better offensive line this week?
3: Well, you know, I I will say this. They are going up against a hell of a challenge. I mean, the the Detroit O-line, big, mean guys, they want to really just maul you. I mean, shoot, that's what Dan Campbell wants to do. He wants to run the ball and and make it difficult on you to stop it, and they're good at that. Um, But really, the defensive line, I think that's going to be the hallmark of this defense. They're trying to get back to that 2020 form, and and unfortunately, they're going to be down for Darian Mathis. He's been placed on IR so they're losing the run stopper there. Uh, they did make a, a couple of, of of signings. One guy, I think his last name is Jeter, so he's going to jump on the 53. And then there's another guy they add to the practice squad. So uh, they, they're really going to have to bring their their lunch pail. They got to bring their A game to this one because they know that they are going to have to face a strong running attack. And 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 if they can find a way to we'll slow that down and get some pressure on Jared Goff, things will be a little bit favorable for Washington. But I know. That stopping the run and slowing that down is going to be huge. I mean, last week they gave up some yards to Travis Etienne and James Robinson, and I know they're going to get another heavy dose of the running game this week.
2: Yeah. I, I'm just a little intrigued to, to learn a little bit more, Anthony, about how Washington deploys, like, you know, a dude like Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen. Like, you know, each of those guys had five pressures apiece. Allen had a couple sacks, Deron Payne had a sack. I mean, 29 total pressures for this Washington defense was the second best mark uh, of any team over the course of, of week one. And all of us were eagerly anticipating. And we watched Thursday night against, you know, bills Rams and 29 pressures was more than the bills even had. So like, (laughs) we saw how much pressure they were able to generate. So like, Is it, is it scheming? Is it, is it, is it blitzes? Are they, are they doing interesting things? Is it more off the edge than it is, you know, up the middle? What, what, what's the, what's the secret to their sauce?
3: Well, I think you have a a lot of good players just spread across the line. I mean, to be bare bones basic about it. I mean, they do a five down look pretty much. Right. So you're having a lot of first round players, first round talent, John Allen, Deron Payne, you named them. Montez Sweat. Uh, in a few weeks, you get Chase Young back there. So whenever you can have all these guys up front, you're going to get yourself a lot of one-on-one coverage, uh, one-on-one coverage, one-on-one blocking. Um, and then even when you have the bigger space eaters like Fedarian, he's going to take up too. Uh, unfortunately, he's not there, but those inside guys, a lot of times they got to take up two. Uh, they don't. They don't bring a whole lot of pressure. Uh, they're generally going to run like a five down, two to uh, two linebacker look, or you're going to get you know a nickel look with bringing that extra DB or a safety. So, their uh, their D line is really something that has to has to do work, and I think it comes down with the schemes and the twists and. They do have a new uh, assistant, you know, D-line coach Ryan Kerrigan, who's recently retired. He joins yeah. the staff, and I, I really, I truly think having him in the building, having Jeff Scanina, uh, the head D-line coach, now something about having guys that played the position can unleash, you know, a little bit of something uh, whenever you get out on the field. They knew they have something to prove, and I think they're up for the challenge.
1: That's, I mean, that's a model that the Detroit Lions are certainly following with all the former players on their coaching staff too. It seems to be a a, a, a bigger trend here in the NFL. And uh, it's interesting to see Washington get in on that as well.
3: Um, yeah, you can communicate. It's like, you, it, there's something about being able to communicate, you know, there's one thing where like the coaches I've been coach for 20 years. And then I tell you what to do, but then it's like, Hey, I played for 15 and then I'm coaching for five. And it's kind of like, well, I remember watching you, so <laughs> you, you you listen to it a little bit more. Not that sure. you don't listen to the other guys, but it's—I mean—it means something. You know what I mean? Right. Of course.
1: Uh, you know, I think a lot of times coaches they have to prove themselves that they know what they're talking about, right? Players that are coaches already have that built-in respect. so just watch the tape. That—that's all the respect you should need to to listen to me to know know that I know what I'm talking about. But uh, but anyways, let's uh let's move on. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, Washington secondary, and I labeled them as, as Washington's biggest weakness. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, if, if that's uh, something, you know, an opinion that you share, because obviously the Lions boast a, a pretty interesting, unique dynamic set of, of receivers, whether you're talking wide receivers, tight ends, or, or even the running back crew. So is that maybe, you know, maybe the biggest, maybe not concern or weakness, but biggest question mark with this Washington defense.
3: I wouldn't put it on the secondary. I, I think the secondary has uh, some room to grow. They definitely have some room to improve, uh, sure. but I wouldn't put that as the weakest point. I mean, the, the question mark for me is that linebacker. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, you, when you're, whenever you, you have a young guy, a couple of young guys, Cole Holcomb, he's, been, he's solid, but, you know, he still has a few holes in the game. And then Jamin Davis, he's learning the position. Uh, yeah. And he's going to have to really make sure he's sound on his on his fits on, on the running game. Because if you miss a gap, there's going to be a huge gash. And the next thing you know, swiftly, DeAndre is going down the sideline. And that's not going to be a good thing for the Burgundy. So it's not the secondary for me. I think that they just haven't they haven't fully gelled uh, right. and gotten to that, you know, playing in that cohesive unit like they need to and they will do eventually. Uh, so I, I think that there's a good matchup, though, between the, the Detroit receivers and the secondary, I think they're both, both, both units. You could say have have room to improve and and to grow and, and to become something special. So this is definitely going to be a good test this week.
2: Yeah, I, was, I, I mean, I, I'm just curious if they can have a repeat performance uh, because I mean, holding Trevor Lawrence to just 275 a touchdown and and grabbing a pick too at the same time. Um, I, I know watching that Washington game and and you know. Them going up against Jacksonville, a lot of expectations with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he looked pretty pedestrian. He didn't look like the guy that's supposed to be the number one, you know, surefire, most, you know, safe pick since Andrew Luck. W- was that really a product of a lot of the pressure that Washington was able to generate? Or do you think that they did a, a pretty solid job on the back end too?
3: You know, I honestly watching, watching the whole game, I went back and watched the all 22 uh, from the first drive from Jacksonville. And he, Trevor Lawrence missed, he missed two opportunities for touchdowns. One, he overthrew Travis Etienne. And then the very next play, he missed Christian Kirk on a wheel route. And, you know, I, like you said, number one overall pick, you think he's somebody that's going to see the entire field. So it kind of caught me off guard that he missed those throws. Uh, But then later on in the game, it was definitely the pressure of that defensive line where he just did not look comfortable. Uh, He was just panicking in the pocket. And you could tell he was just wanting to get rid of the ball very quickly because those guys were hunting. Um, So it's definitely a combination Uh, is the second, but I'm going to give more clout to the D line um, because they're, they're in the front, and the secondary just has to be able to capitalize on any passes that get thrown uh, in there to float in the air.
1: Yeah, and that should be a a really interesting matchup this week with with the Lions offensive line currently breed up we're, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday so we don't really know the full status of the guys but Taylor Decker did not practice on Wednesday, Frank Ragnow did not practice on on Wednesday and Jonah Jackson dealing with a hand injury but did practice on a limited basis so if they can go we're talking uh four four of the Lions five starters but you know it's still early in the week we'll we'll see how those things progress as the week goes on uh but i think i want to move to the uh the the prediction portion of our our podcast what the, what we call the one thing we think we know where we make any kind of prediction about the game doesn't have to be the winner but if you want to do the winner go for it i will let as always Ryan Matthews lead us off what is the one thing you think you know about lions commanders so i'm not sure about last
2: week i need a ruling on whether or not i was correct or incorrect <laughs> i know i said that Detroit would outgain Philly on the ground. Correct. They did from a from an efficiency standpoint, <laughs> um, from from a from a total yard standpoint. They did not, but it was pretty
1: damn close. It was, it was closer than most people would have expected. So I'll give you half credit. A- Anthony enough. gave you the no. Anthony said no. Right. They, we got to listen to our guests. I'm sorry, right. Anthony says no. All
2: right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to impress Anthony with with my prediction here. Um, <laughs> I think that the one thing that I think I know about this game is that there are going to be five total turnovers from the quarterbacks. Wow. I, I, I think, I think you look at, I think you look at both defenses, right? Yeah. And I think you look at a Detroit defense that really, really created a lot of pressure last week. I mean, they, they had Jalen hurts moving. It was just a matter of them wrapping up and making a play. Wentz is a stronger guy for sure, but not nearly as mobile, right? So I think that from that standpoint, Detroit's going to be able to get home and, and they're going to be able to make plays and Wentz is is prone to to making mistakes by the same account. We know how mobile Jared Goff is. <laughs> we know that he has trouble, you know, you know, getting out of a phone booth. So I think that I, I'm looking at five total turnovers wow. from each of the quarterbacks, whether it's interceptions or total. fumbles, <laughs> Yeah. You said each, not each. Sorry. <laughs> not sorry. Each. I, I meant I meant I meant total. My bad. Yes.
1: No. Um yeah. that'd be interesting because I feel like the Lions have not been good at creating turnovers in a very long time. So if as long as it's not like four to one on Washington side, that would that would be I'd be okay with that, I guess. Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh I'm gonna put your feet to the fire here, Anthony. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions commanders? <laughs>
3: Searching for that clairvoyance. All right. So here's one thing I know that if Washington can keep Detroit under, let's say 120 yards rushing, they win the ball game. I think that's it. I think that uh, if if you're going to give up 140 yards to DeAndre Swift and another 50, 60, or however many Jamal Williams had, it's going to be a long day at the park uh, for the, for the boys in Burgundy and gold. So if they keep this team underneath, you know, closer to hundred yard rushing or below, I think that's going to be able to help them get that W. Uh, there's a few other things as well, but that, that running game just going, it's going to be problems. So that's what I think I know about but, this. But, but will they, Anthony, will they hold them below 120? I mean, shoot. If I, I, wish they, <laughs> I, I wish I knew that much. I wish I knew that much. <laughs>
1: All right. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. Um, the one thing I think I know about this game is we're in for another shootout. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is. I think it was like 55, Ryan, you probably know more than I would something like 55. I don't know what you're talking about. What, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm taking the over the lions. And, and obviously we saw a 30, what is that? 73 combined points in, uh, in, in lions Eagles and, and Washington put up 28 points last week. Uh, I, I think, I think, both scales are tipped in favor of the offense when, when each offense is on the field. So I think we're going to see a, a bunch of shootouts last, last week. I thought it was going to be low scoring because each team was going to run the ball like crazy. I was half right there because the teams did run the ball like crazy yet. They still both scored a bunch of points as well. I thought that was going to draw out the clock, um, but Lions and, and Eagles were both very efficient with their time. Um, but I was right when I said combined, they were going to get 300 rushing yards. It turns out they almost had 400. So my pretty, I'm one for one Ryan for the record and uh, I will say, you know, I'll I'll go even a step further beyond taking the over. I say over sixty-five points in this game. Oh, fireworks, man! Yeah, more fireworks. Over coming. sixty-five points. Over sixty-five
3: <laughs> points. Controlled I environment, mean, like, indoors. What, 30, We're not dealing with weather. Thirty-four. Yeah, but we try. We try to go a little. So bold if sometimes you take here. Ryan's five overall, five, there's, maybe You're there's some defensive touchdowns take Ryan's in there. Ryan's five overall turnovers. <laughs> There's got to be a defensive touchdown in there too. There's got to be for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I'll I'll take this. I'll take this. An, they, if, they, Washington's going to Washington go home underneath 120.
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes, we got we got an official prediction there. I love it. Put we it really all, put his feet. Put it on paper.
3: <laughs> Put it on paper. Put it on paper. It was at my feet. I took my socks off and I figured it was okay. We could go ahead and do this thing. Under 120, Washington will keep the running game in check. Perfect. All right. We That's got it. We-
1: prediction is locked in now. Uh, Anthony, I'm going to give you an opportunity to promote your stuff before we let you go here. Where can the people find you and hear you and all that sort of stuff?
3: Awesome. I appreciate it. Y'all- Check me out on the Believe in Commanders podcast. Um, uh, you hit me up on Armstrong 13. and We can talk a little whiskey, we can talk a little football, we can talk a little real estate. You, you, you name it, I'm, I'm down for it. So, uh, those are my main two spots. If, you, if you're on Instagram, you can check me out there as well. It's rated Armstrong, but uh, yeah, that's our Believe in Commanders. Check it out.
1: All right awesome. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, appreciate you making some time. Good luck to you and a little bit of good luck to the commanders here on Sunday. Uh, but, uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate everyone who is listening and watching along. We will be back on Sunday to recap the game here on our live Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. And of course all over your podcast networks. But until then, thank you for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind.
3: You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com Fox carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: Support for this podcast came from SAS data is everything. And now everything is data